Hi, and welcome to Finding Your Flow, the podcast. My name is Jen, and I'm your host. I'm inviting you here to intuitively lead and live your most aligned and expansive life. I'm an intuitive business and leadership advisor for heart-centered, impact-driven leaders, entrepreneurs, and businesses. And I'm also a supporter of women's empowerment and animal rescue work. Unlocking flow and supporting you through your next level of growth and transformation is my superpower. I found my own freedom and flow through entrepreneurship over a decade ago. And on this podcast, I'll be sharing stories and insights through the lens of my expertise and my personal experience and through inspiring conversations with my special guests. I'll be helping you navigate your most important asset, your intuition, supporting you in getting unstuck and staying on your most successful and aligned path. I want you to leave with aha moments, deep insights, clarity on your next steps, and more importantly, an inner knowing that where you are right now is perfectly aligned. Life needs you where you're at your best. Hi, Rashina. Hi, Jen. <laughs> it's so nice to have you here. So, yeah, I thought we could actually kick off our call with an angel card because we both love card pulling. And uh, why don't we see what the theme of our call is going to be today? That would be really lovely. Okay. I'm going to pull us a card to see what, what is this call about today that we're doing on this podcast? Oh, wow. We got love. That's really nice. That feels so accurate for us. So um, I'm going to just let everyone know sort of uh, how we know each other um, and how we met. So Rashina and I are actually really, really dear friends and, uh, now entrepreneur buddies, collaborators, and, uh, almost see us as like mastermind buddies. Um, and so I'm going to ex- just let everyone know kind of who you are and what you do, because I think that you do really beautiful work. So Rashina is the founder of Amplify Copy, um, and you work mostly with technology companies, I believe. Yeah. helping them with the copy on their website and their branding and messaging and also working on a whole bunch of other really inspiring projects which we can talk about a little later uh, like club nomads and teenage dreams so um, I think one of the reasons why Rashina and I really connected is that she's a very much of a multi-passionate entrepreneur like I am and she's always just working on some really beautiful projects and collaborating with really beautiful entrepreneurs and we originally connected like two years ago I think or a year yes I think we originally connected in the summer of last year potentially or it might have been the year before but I think it was in the summer of last year or um the winter before that so it's been a long time yeah exactly and we were supposed to originally um I was supposed to potentially work for you as an online business manager and our relationship just evolved into what it was meant to become, which was a really um, important friendship. So I'm really excited to have your, you here on the podcast. Um, and I have a whole bunch of questions for you. And it's interesting because I feel like I know you really, really well. But today I have a lot of questions that made me realize that there's a whole bunch of things that I still want to learn about you <laughs> that I don't know yet. So um, before I start, is there anything else that we want to share with the listeners about just who you are and what you do. Oh, you are also a United Nations consultant, which is very important <laughs> there as well. Yes, I, I do consult for the United Nations. So 
Yeah, I am um, the founder of Amplify. As Jen has mentioned, we have a really beautiful team of uh, colorful, creative women from all around the world. Um, I think what we mainly do in our own lives and also for our clients is we're all about helping people to really push beyond what's already there within the industry. So it's about seeing things differently, being brave enough to go a little bit further beyond what's already being done um, and kind of be your own standard and your own competitor. In terms of our alignments, uh, I think we bonded pretty quickly over our love for our own development and growth process. And I think we're also very much fueled by change. So, um, you know, that's something that I'm very lucky to be able to explore through my work with the United Nations. And uh, I think it's just a really important thing for any entrepreneur to be paying attention to at the moment. Yeah. And I, I have to say, to be honest, like this is, I feel like what you just expressed about what you do in your work, about pushing people beyond what they already have or where they already are. That's what you have helped me so much with in my journey over the last year. So you've definitely been a huge mentor to, to me. And, um, and I will uh, agree that you have a beautiful team. I had the opportunity to hang out with you guys last week. We did a wine and tarot session uh, with your team and you just, you have such a, a beautiful team. Um, so yeah, uh, one of the things that, um, I wanted to ask you about one of the things that constantly impresses me about you is the amount of wisdom you have for your age. So are we allowed to share how old you are? Because I, I, yes. I, I still can't wrap my head around the amazing entrepreneur that you are, where you're at the wisdom you have and what you've created for your age. So tell us how old you are. I'm 26. <laughs> okay, that still blows my mind. Um, so can you like just share, because um, we've never actually talked about this. Like, I would love to know, like, how did you become an entrepreneur? Like, how did you, like we talk, I, I talk a lot on the podcast about finding your flow, finding your own path, following your intuition. And we're both like big, you know, intuition fans. Um, how, like, how did you become an entrepreneur? Where did this start? What was your journey? So this is a really long story, but I think that I've always been an entrepreneur um, in the most kind of, I guess, expansive, creative way. So I know a lot of entrepreneurs um, who are very multi-passionate, can't help but get involved in new problems to solve, new ideas, different ways of thinking. And I think I've always been like that. I remember when I was a kid, one of my first memories when I was, well, it wasn't one of my first memories, but it was a, kind of a very related memory, um, was I used to have a best friend when I lived in India, um, which I moved to when I was six. I had a best friend who came from Finland, his name was Kale and uh, we would always be hanging out together and, you know, like catching lizards and doing like, like fun stuff that people who get, grow up in India do. Um, and I remember at one point we like got together a bunch of like twigs and different things from the garden and we we're like, oh, what if we had a shop? And, you know, like it, it's so silly when you think about it now, but that was so exciting to me, that idea of like opportunity and creating something and you know, I think that that enterprising nature has always been in me. Um, when I 
moved to uh, France and then also to the UK, I always was involved in, you know, like drawing, writing stories. Um, you know, at one point, I think it was when I was 16, I was writing like a little romance novel on the internet. And, um, and then when I went to university, um, I had a lot of different work experience in various different things. I started up a chapter of her campus magazine. I created my own digital magazine. I was like reading the whole time, <laughs> um, trying different things. And I even had so many different businesses that I, that I tried to start. Like I remember I wanted to have a jewelry business. I started like baking clay beads in my oven at one point. I wanted to have like a business that sent care packages to people, um, what else? I wanted to have a, a business that like upgraded people's CVs for them. Just like so many different ideas. I bought so many domain names relating to all of these businesses, like even my own domain name I've had since I was like 19. Um, so I felt like in many ways I um, have always been entrepreneurial, but because I have lived my whole life in different countries. So I was born in England. When I was six, I moved to India. Then when I was 10, I moved to France. Then I came back to England when I was 14. Then I moved cities to go to university. And by the time I left university, I had lived in Luxembourg and Spain. And then I moved to Ireland straight after university. So like I've already been to so many different countries and I've gone through a lot of struggles in my life and a lot of ups and downs already that I think what happened was I would have been an entrepreneur a lot earlier, except that I had a lot of programming that I had to overcome. So even when I, um, you know, when I was trying all of these different things and exploring um, different business ideas, I think that that was part of my journey um, to then get to the point where I had enough awareness of myself to be able to actually say, okay, I'm scared of getting things wrong or I'm scared of trying something and it not working out and working through those. Um, I don't think it was a case of, I want to be an entrepreneur, let me be an entrepreneur. It's more like I was always an entrepreneur, but through time I had to get to the point where I dealt with my thinking and my programming enough that that could emerge in a way that was sustainable. Hmm. And yeah, I still can't believe like all the places that you've lived. Um, so, how how do you feel now about making mistakes and like how does that come into play when you're trying to align yourself and find your flow and and just follow the path that feels the most yours do you do you allow yourself to 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 let things get messy and make mistakes yeah I think that it's you're always going to make mistakes. Like nobody can have this perfect trajectory. And I think for people who pretend that they do, sometimes are letting their ego get in the way. Like I definitely make mistakes all the time. Um, it doesn't get easier to see yourself making mistakes, but you do get better at the internal narrative, right? And watching yourself, watching the things that you're saying to yourself, how kind you're being with yourself. Um, I think that initially I was so hard on myself for anything and everything and you know I would repeat such negative things to myself um then through time I managed to overcome that through belief coaching through also having a team which came from you know me working on my own beliefs and my own narrative but um that also created a more solid infrastructure 
for um, you know things to be tried out and and mistakes to be made because you're also you know you're shaping an environment where that's also possible, which I think isn't the same for all teams. But I was very careful to create that. Um, now, yes, of course, I make mistakes. Um, it feels just as scary, but it feels different because it's supported. So mm. I always am aware of, oh, this is this new thing that I'm trying. <gasps> what what will happen? How is that going to go? But I also feel that it's less like a pendulum swinging, like, oh, I could lose everything. <laughs> now I will no longer have a house and I will no longer be able to eat food because it's like, oh, we're supported. And then we're trying new things. So for example, we have a couple of clients that we love very, very much. And sometimes those clients want us to do new things. And those new things are literally services that we then have to develop for them. And they wouldn't ask us if they didn't think that we could do it. But even that, sometimes I'm like, okay, this is something that I would love to try. But there's some part of me that's like, oh, but I want to do a really good job. I want it to be something spectacular. So that is an area where there's a lot of potential for making mistakes, but you have to then weigh up the narrative and think, okay, is it something that I'm prepared to try in the name of expansion, even if it means that I will have to do a little bit of messy learning along the way. So yeah, that's, that's how I feel about it. And um, I really try, one thing I really do try is to make my team feel comfortable with the idea of making mistakes. And if they ever do anything within their roles or, you know, within their work where they feel like, oh, I made a mistake, I'm always really trying to make them feel supported in that because, you know, I've worked in so many different companies, really huge multi-billion dollar companies and small agencies and, you know, even like shoddy little companies that <laughs> barely existed. And one of the things that I consistently saw was that the best leaders were creating that space for mistakes to be made and having your back through the process. So um, that's something that, you know, I'm aware of, but having that mirrored in your team is really important too, I think. Yeah. So I'd love to talk more about this and I have chills as you're talking about this. Cause I think you're, I very much relate to what you're talking about in terms of uh, leadership and, and how you take care of your team and the, the grace that you give your team. Um, and I'm all about, um, yeah, like really kind, uh, human leadership, I think. And I've rarely, I've rarely met a CEO that cares so much and is so attentive to their team like you are. Um, and I find it really inspiring. And it's something that I really work hard at cultivating with my team also. How like, do you find that it's made a difference having a team and being able to like get more uncomfortable and taking risks and leaps and, um, trying new things. I just feel like, cause I remember when you brought on your team, like it was so exciting. And I do remember that moment where you really had to work through some sort of limiting beliefs that were keeping you from doing that. Um, and bringing on like this big, beautiful team of women. Um, so like, just how has, how has having a team changed things for you? And like, I like give us sort of a behind the scenes of like how it is on team Rashina and how you take care of them. Okay, so having a team is just such a gift, I must say. It's a gift on so many levels um, because I think that one of the really big benefits of having worked on myself and this being a result of that, right? So I believe coaching is very 
deep immersive work and it changed my life so much I'm literally like studying now to be a belief coach um and it's something that I think resolved a lot of the issues that might have even come up if I had decided to you know preemptively or last year perhaps decided to have a team so the trust trusting in other people feeling safe um making sure that you're supportive of other women right like naturally uplifting each other um feeling that there's enough for you and so because it happened in that way even for example when we were trying to recruit the right team members the fact that I was working on myself at that point was really helpful because we made only really good decisions of people that we loved. So we, there was no compromise. And, you know, even then we had to make decisions along that direction. That was a process getting to this point where the team that we have now is like just amazing and gorgeous and works together so beautifully. Um, how it is, I mean, I've said that it's a gift, but that is literally an understatement. Um, we work really well together. I think that everyone within the team is like super proactive, very much a leader in their own right. Like they're all just really brilliant, um, bold thinking individuals. And um, I think that I feel very supported from so many different angles. Like I was saying to the team today that a couple of years ago, perhaps I would have tried to work on some client work and that might have been much more difficult to create something of the same quality as we're doing today because you have three brains instead of one three brains that are at the same level thinking really big pushing each other strategically creatively caring enough about the final result that we're really going that much further to to just create something that moves the industry and i think that having these people is actually so important and then getting to the next step which is delivering exceptional work um exceptional creative campaigns etc for our clients so for me i never really thought that the quality of work would go up by getting a team i always was scared that the quality of work would go down that was always my fear right like what if i hire people who aren't competent enough or capable enough what if they're not on the same level um so really taking the time to go through that process and choose these amazing people and then trusting them enough to like actually train them properly and on an ongoing basis, spend the time with them, hone their skills, push them to think differently. That has now and is continually rewarding us in so many beautiful ways because we care so much about each other. They are evolving brilliantly, like within their, their like talents, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that now it's just, yeah, I feel very, very supported. I think the clients also feel so supported because they can see how well we're working together and they know the team personally. Um, and I think that that also is just really important for clients to meet your team and be like, wow, these are really brilliant, smart people. I wish I could hire them, you know? Um, I think that is a testament to our high standards and um, it's weird like it's it definitely took some adjusting to I think being like suddenly like the boss if like you know <laughs> five people <laughs> is, is a bit kind of uh, it was very new and I think that um, I, I did feel a little bit like jumping into something without knowing what was on the other side of it but I think what's nice is because I'm like a very sensitive and intuitive person and I've worked in so many different companies before you kind of learn what you do like and what you don't like and you apply that I think the emotional intelligence side of that is really helpful then when you're leading your own team because if you're someone who's highly emotionally intelligent 
unless you're leading like a team of 50 or you're a VP or a CEO in a large company, you don't really, like you just get stomped over, right? Like it's not something that you can do much with. But when you have your own team, I think that's when that really comes into play. Like you're building your own way of doing things. And, um, you, you know, that's a big responsibility, but I think that people like us, um, because of our experiences and because of our wisdom, I think, have had to learn to do that in a way that's a little bit more graceful than what we have seen in the past. And I think my age actually helps with that. Yeah. And what I got to see from the outside, you know, in the stands is that by you, I'm just imagining like little Rashina with the twigs, you know, and your friends, you know, that visionary little girl by you bringing on the team, you were able then to place yourself more into your zone of genius. Like I really saw you become like step into your visionary self. Whereas before I felt like you were more like visionary stuck in this little box of trying to do all the things by yourself. And now you have people who came in with the skills for the doing and you now get to, it's like the vision I get is like people now get the full version of Rashina. And that's what I'm always encouraging people to do. Like finding your flow for me is like, intuitively stepping into the direction that's going to bring you into your fullest expression. Yeah. And I think what's really interesting about that is that nobody tells you that in life, sometimes you have to literally create your own position. Like, and this is funny because we're doing this for our clients. We're telling them create your own space in the market, say what isn't being said. But I think that I had to do that first for myself and my team by giving myself the agency of and the luxury of, you know, yes, I'm going to teach people how to do this. I know how to do this. And then I'm I'm going to be orchestrating that while also dealing with the business stuff, which needs to be dealt with and talking to the clients and thinking about the strategy. And, you know, what I think is really nice with the team as well is we call ourselves shape shifters. Like we're always mm-hmm. talking about how we're so fluid. Um, And this ties in quite nicely with your finding your flow idea, because I think that sometimes I like to be stuck in with the weeds and looking at it from that perspective. And sometimes I like to say, no, okay, let's let's take this from a problem solving perspective. Let's have a look at the business side of this, because we also work on our own brands that we're going to release into the world. It's very helpful for our team to be acquainted with all those kinds of thinking, not just you know, being the little hands. It's never about being little hands. I think it's about being big thinkers that do big things through a variety of like smaller tasks. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's like from my side as a leader, I then am not worried about doing little tasks. You know, I don't think that those exist really. And I think it's also good because that encourages my team to do, you know, whatever they're doing currently, but then also think bigger than that and, and, and be more fluid upwards as well as, you know, taking care of the, the basic things that the business needs. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been very fluid, very fluid and, and a big learning experience as well to trust in that process. Yeah. And I love what you said about, you know, how you needed to sort of take a step forward, uh, not knowing like what was going to be on this on the other side of this. And I, I'm a strong believer that actually we never know beforehand. We never have the clarity. Like when we're being pulled to do something, when we're being called to do something from by our intuition, we're never going to get the answers before we have to first leap. And then life is like, okay, now let me show you all the beautiful things that are going to come from this. But it's like, we don't know that before. So it takes a lot of courage to be able to 
step into the unknown and, and get uncomfortable. Um, so I'm curious to hear because like we are very, um, I, I see us as like soul sisters. We have literally, uh, we're both cancers with Scorpio rising signs. We have mm -hmm. the exact same numerology. We're 3811s in numerology. We have so many energetic things aligned. Um, so you are highly, highly intuitive person. Uh, we, what do we call it? We usually, oh, your vibometer. <laughs> We're talking about your vibometer. What is Rashina's vibometer telling us today? So how, like, what are, like, just your thoughts on intuition and how that relates to leadership and entrepreneurship? I think intuition is completely essential. And I think that sometimes it's neglected and it's not just neglected, it's not voiced. Intuition rarely has a seat at the table when it comes to discussions around leadership. Uh, but I think that it's one of the most important things and it's very deeply uh, intertwined with the theme of emotional intelligence as well. Um, I think that it would be very difficult to lead a successful team doing anything remotely remarkable if you don't draw from your intuition on a like more or less continual basis, you know? And I think that it's something that I had to really pay attention to um, and let it support me. So initially I was fighting that, right? Like um, even during the hiring process, it's very tempting to try and make strategic decisions or hire people who look good on paper. And actually, you know, one of the most recent team members, the baby of the team, actually, we hired her because I had a conversation with her on Clubhouse. And it turned out that she was literally um, like looking for a job. And I had just out of the blue decided to have a conversation with her. Um, so we had a call. And then at the end of that call, I was just like, yep, I'm going to offer her a job. And I hadn't intended to offer her a job myself. I had intended to try and help her get connected. But, um, you know, and, and she's she's such a, a, an amazing, talented woman that actually uh, she was offered an, an internship at NASA afterwards. Like, wow. yeah, so she's like that kind of caliber of individual. Um, and it was interesting even then because I didn't know why I was doing that, but I had to almost like share with her why this opportunity was worthwhile, that it wasn't too good to be true, like this kind of thing. Um, and I had to just play with my intuition on that, like on so many different counts. But I think that what that really taught me was sometimes the things that are right for you, the things that are right for your business, the things that you might be required to do as a leader, maybe they don't make sense on paper, maybe they don't make sense when you try to reason, reason it in your head, but ultimately, if you allow yourself to fall back on your intuition and be guided by it and supported by it, then you're only going to be making decisions that are aligned. And you have taught me so much about that. Um, you know, over the time that I've known you and um, being now in business in this way and having a team, intuition is completely essential. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's been my guiding compass in many ways. Yeah. So I would, so it's so true what you're saying, like intuition rarely makes sense logically. It rarely makes sense on paper, but it's always something that we can and must trust. I think it's like, always leads us to the right place, to the right people, to the right next step. Um, and like, I always tell, you know, people that I work with that like, intuition is your strategy. Like that is your strategy. You need to start there. And then you can add layers of like 
external strategies and marketing, but that needs to be your, your starting point. So do you have like an intuitive fail <laughs> that you could share? Like a moment where you did not listen to your intuition and you were yeah. like, oh, fuck, like why? Oh my God. I, have, I have a couple of days to share with you. I'll share one of them. Okay. Um, okay, so the first thing with intuition, which I remember we even did a clubhouse about this. So intuition, following your intuition, yeah, it sounds really nice and dreamy and fluffy and, you know, um, comforting, but often it can be scary. Like sometimes following your intuition is like the scariest option available. (laughs) And we're just not equipped for that, I think, because as human beings, the way that we are raised um, and socialized into the world, especially the you know, the substandard global uh, education systems, um, they don't equip people to follow their intuition. It's much more like, you know, learn this and and then check it back out. And so um, I think that some of the instances where I um, failed to listen to my intuition were mainly relating to something looking good on paper, me thinking that that's something that I should want or that I'm supposed to do. And then like, ultimately, the end result of you not listening to your intuition, usually in my opinion, and it's always been the case in my life, is that you then suffer double. Like it's it's doubly difficult because you still have to get out of that situation, but it just hurts a little bit more. So for example, I remember when I first started this company, so like registering as a company with the team, training the team, we had one client that we brought on board that I'm pretty sure the day after we signed the contract, I was having like second thoughts. I was having like anxiety in the evenings. I was like kind of worrying about it and thinking, gosh, like, is this going to be too much? I don't, I'm not sure about this. And it just, and it turns out that, you know, after a month, I had to have a very deeply, deeply uncomfortable conversation with them, basically telling them, I don't think you're a good fit for Amplify. Um, I think that you're actually not at the stage yet where you can work with us. And I would prefer to part ways. Um, And it was really, it was interesting because I had to have that conversation. I remember back then I was so nervous about it and now I'm like oh you know fun times that was great but back then I was so nervous I was in bits and you know it was it was so much more uncomfortable than if I had just said at the first conversation I had with them um not feeling this I think that maybe you're not at the right stage so that's one example another example is there was a girl that I actually didn't hire onto my core team also relating to this client situation So this client had a very technical product. So it actually ended up costing us a lot of money to um, create the content and the creative campaigns associated. So I contracted someone who was part of, um, she's, she's, I, I met her, I think last year, and I always was curious about hiring her, but I never did. And then I discovered why. So I basically, um, yeah, so she was never part of the core team, but I gave her a chance and I worked with her and she just showed me that she didn't have the same values and integrity as any of my core team members. And so I had to just say to her, look, like, this is not doing it for me. Um, we will also need to part ways. 
but that was the same, right? So that was a little bit more subtle. My intuition wasn't giving me a hard no, but my intuition was strong enough that I never hired her onto my core team. I never brought her into that situation. I, in a way, protected them from that. But I still misread that signal in a way. And I thought, okay, I'm going to give her a shot on this because some part of me wanted to give that opportunity to her. I wanted to try her out. I'm always looking for like new opportunities and potential. And I think that's the other side of that, which is sometimes you do, you do make mistakes. Um, but in this instance, it really helped me to sharpen up on my intuition, ask myself, why didn't I ever invite her to be a team member? There must've been something missing for that to happen, right? Um, so it was, it's interesting. And I think that getting burned so early on when I had just started the company, meaning that my second month um, as a, like a, a registered company, I had like one last client, you know, and, and I didn't take a salary that month. And actually I'm so proud of myself that I did that because I learned the lesson and now we're just doing even more amazing work and being even more selective. And, um, you know, it, it is, it's tricky, but those are two examples that came to mind. Um, and what I would say is it's really important for both um, that you not only listen to your initial intuition and the stuff that keeps you up at night and the stuff that really is like a hard no, but then also the things that you don't do. Why are you not doing them? What is it that's not a complete, complete, yes, I'm in love with this, let's do it, that kind of a match? Yeah. And, you know, I love talking about intuitive fails because I do actually think that it is like the intuitive fails are important, right? Sometimes it is important to step forward even when you're not sure. And then you'll get the clarity after. And then you're like, oh, now I see. Now I understand this thing that I was feeling in my body. At some point, there's less and less intuitive fails because you just, you recognize that feeling early on and you're like, oh yeah, no, this is like a, this is a no, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I think we have to give ourselves permission to, to let things get a little bit messy so that we can really... Um, learn to learn to get to know our intuition and like how does it speak to us and how what is a yes and what is a no so um yeah i think that it, all of it is super super important um also i think that it relates to programming so there might be some underlying programming that is getting in the way of you listening to your intuition so for example for yeah. me obviously global citizen but also like british programming um you know, trying to be maybe a little bit polite or agreeable. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes I wave away things that I'm feeling or that I'm, you know, that intuitive kick that I'm getting because I'm like, oh, well, I should give this person a chance or I should do this or I should do that. Yeah. Um, so recently that has been more of a challenge for me is actually saying, no, what do I choose? What experience do I select? What person do I select? Rather than settling for something that isn't exactly how I would love it, um, you know, making that decision. Because I think that sometimes you can have an intuitive nudge, but then you have a host of other systems and structures and programs running in your life that do not support you moving towards that nudge. And so it's also, I think, pairing intuition with also elevated awareness mm. so that you can really be conscious of what systems are upholding your current reality. What are the things that might like not, like not continue to work if you're all of a sudden doing exactly what you want and only what you want. Um, so yeah, that's another, another thing that I think is worth mentioning. Yeah. 
Man, I like, I, I, I get so much joy out of just listening to you speak. I, again, it's like, you're, you're, you're such a wise soul. And I, I really, um, I learned so much from you and I feel like I'm learning from you every single day. <clears throat> and it's such an honor to have you as a friend and to be working on some beautiful projects together. Um, and I think we could literally talk for hours about this, but I think we might need to do like a part two of Jen and Rashina on the podcast. Um, so if people want to connect with you, like what is the best way for people to find you or where can they connect with you or maybe join something that you're doing? I would say the easiest way to do it is to follow me on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is House of Rashina. Um, you can also follow our team's activities also on Instagram. So we've just set up a little baby Instagram account. Ooh. It's Amplify Copy. Yeah. So you can go and give us a follow over there. And we will soon be posting lots of team talks and interviewing clients and interviewing some of the friends of Amplify, like you, Jen. So um, if anyone wants to stay in touch and just keep in the loop with all of our projects, I think those are the best places to come and find us. Sounds good. So I'm going to put all those in the show notes so we can, um, people can go find you easily. And uh, yeah, it's just, it was so nice to have you here. You're my first official guest on the podcast and I feel so honored because I love you so much. It's honestly such an honor for me as well. And I'm so pleased to be here. I, you know, I love your work and I just really wish that more people could listen in and just apply these insights in their daily lives. I think that their human experience would be significantly lifted. So <laughs> elevated for sure. All right. Thanks, my dear. Thank you. Bye, John. Bye. Thank you so much for spending time with me here today. I want to leave you with this little bit of wisdom. The actions you're not willing to take or the decisions you're not willing to make are the ones that will change your life. Trust your intuition, take the leaps, follow what you know to be true, even if it's not always easy or convenient. Your words mean the world to me. So if you have a moment, please share them by leaving a review of the podcast or sending me a testimonial. And I would love if you would share this episode wherever you feel called to. If you want to connect with me, you can find me over at jenniferjaneyoung.com or on Instagram at jennifer.jane.young.com.